Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. everybody. I'm going to invite you to stand as we begin our service, as we sing and ask the Lord's presence here today. Just one word, just one touch changes our lives when we come to Jesus. Just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can help but believe There's nothing that our God can do There's not a mountain that he can move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can do Just one word You hear what's broken inside Just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. No, there's nothing that our God can do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. Now we're going to believe for greater things this morning by faith, pushing through those mountains and those prisons that hold us. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe. For greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. 
faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like His power. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing, there's nothing that Jesus can do. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. No, there's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that he can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. Oh. Amen. There's nothing that our God can't do. Do you believe that today? If you do, well, not if. Whether you do or not, go ahead and have a seat, but I hope you do believe that today because we do have a God who does impossible things. And uh, as we have been coming together each week and talking about those things that seem impossible with man, but with God, nothing is impossible. And so I'm encouraged by that today. I want to welcome you here to Peckway Church. We're so glad that you came out this morning. I know it's cold and it's been snowing and all of those things, but thank you so much for coming today and being here in person. And if you couldn't come, we're so glad that you can join us online today as well. We love to connect people with God and each other here at Peckway Church. And so that's always our hope and our goal that you would experience that each and every time that you're here with us, whether online or in person. Um, and each week we ask again everyone to fill out that green connection card. You can find that here in person inside of your bulletin this morning and uh, on the front and back there. But uh, if you'd simply just let us know that you're here today, uh, we'd love to reach out and say hello to you. And, and uh, if there's any resources that we can provide for you, we'd love to do that. But um, there's also a space there on the back of that card uh, for prayer. And uh, so we love praying with you guys, and I encourage you to do that. You can do that online this morning as well. There's going to be a, a connect link in your chat window. Uh, you may need to minimize your screen to find that, but go ahead and fill out that card there this morning as well. And if you're a first-time guest uh, here in person, you can fill out that green card, but you can also do that as well by taking out your phone. And for those of you who are at home, take out your phone, or you can uh, use your, your messenger app there. But uh, you can text the word hello to 717-872-5679. And that simply opens a personal line of communication with us. We're able to text back and forth. We can give uh, you everything that you need to see if Peckway Church is a good fit for you. So again, that number is 717-872-5679 and simply text the word hello and we'll reach out and say thank you for being a part of our, uh, of our worship today. And also here in person, if you have any questions, you can always go out to the welcome desk uh, in between services or before services. There's someone there who, who would greet you. And there's a free book that we have available for you as well if you're a first-time guest uh, that you can pick up at that welcome desk. There's Bibles available as well. So we want to provide those resources for you. And if you would like that book as well, you can note that online and uh, send us a message and we can get that to you as well. 
Well, as we are continuing our sermon series in the book of James, uh, we're going to talk about something that sometimes can be a little bit difficult, and that is our tongue. The Bible talks about the tongue is difficult to tame. You know, we can tame wild animals and, and all kinds of things, but the tongue, is the Bible says, is humanly impossible to tame. And so, you know, our words make a difference. They're not just, we can't just say something and then take it back, right? So it's very important about how, what we say, how we say it, and the meaning behind our words. And so I want to encourage us today uh, by just being reminded as we watch this video together about how the power of our words can change people's lives. You don't have a ton of things in common with God, but there is one thing. You speak. So does he. God spoke light into existence with his words. I wonder what you could speak into existence with your words this week. I wonder what kind of love you could speak into your marriage that feels like it's in neutral. I wonder what kind of courage you could speak into the heart of a child who's hurting. I wonder what kind of peace you could speak into your broken friendship. What kind of hope you could speak into your own weary soul. I want you to know that the most powerful words you're gonna speak this week is probably not gonna be on a stage or a conference call or closing the deal with a client that you want. The most powerful words you're gonna speak is probably just with one or two people listening, maybe zero. It's totally possible that the most powerful sentence you'll say this week is a thoughtful text message that you send to a friend who's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's the apology email that you finally get the courage to send it's the whispered prayers through tears in the middle of a dark night. Powerful words aren't just for preachers who stand behind pulpits. They're for parents who stand next to bunk beds. Speak life into their kids, their spouses who share hopes and dreams pillow talk, not criticism, for teenagers who stand up to bullies, stand up for the uncool kids. Your tongue is so small, but so powerful. Your tongue is telling a story. Proverbs 18, 21, and we'll see it on the screen, and it talks about our tongue and the power there is in our tongue. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit, and that's Proverbs 18, 21, and so we have the power of life and death in what we say. You know, many times, maybe um, it, it could be, I have a picture here that we're going to look at. It, it's of a child with a chokehold around his neck. Of all the words, the, your words have power, use them wisely. But it could be not just a child and not the things that maybe you heard growing up or experienced in your life, but this could be your boss, this could be your spouse, this could be your friend, right? And that's what happens. It, it chokes us. It chokes the life out of us. So we have to be careful with the way we use our words, the way our tongue is tamed. And so, you know, Philippians uh, 4.8 a verse we probably all have heard if you've grown up in church, but this is a great acronym that to help us think 
before we speak. And if we say T, if we say T, is it true? And H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? And the verse says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Philippians 4.8. So I challenge you this week to think before you speak. And as we are challenged by today's word that we're going to hear as we talk about the taming of the tongue, um, you know, the power is not within ourselves. We can't change ourselves, right? But when we give that to the Lord, because it is a battle sometimes, right? A battle. I know raising my son, it's so hard not to yell sometimes or to get aggravated and frustrated or you say things and then you're thinking, why did I say that, right? Maybe it's because you heard that as a kid or we are frustrated with work or the circumstances of life. Gas is getting more expensive, but I can't afford that and I can't afford groceries and we get so twisted up and then our tongue says things that we don't want to say right so but we can trust god to do impossible things today and when we pray that's giving the battle to him and so i want to invite you to stand as we sing this next song um the battle belongs to him so let's stand together as we sing And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Thank you, God. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. Lay at your feet, I'll 
tonight, oh God, the battle belongs to you. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God. The battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Amen. The battle does belong to the Lord. I'm going to invite you to sit for this last song. But I want us to take just a moment and just think uh, how God has... um, how the power of God can help us through the things that are mountains for us, the prisons that we have. And so we just come to him and simply say, God, I need you. God, I need you to help me. Give me your vision and your wisdom. And so use this song as a prayer today as we sing it together. Sing that again. Sing that as your prayer with me. God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, 
you know just what to do. Sing that again, that hallelujah. Our God reigns because he reigns over all of those things today. Sing it with us. And hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah. thankful that you reign today. Let's just sing one more time that chorus. And hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Oh, hallelujah, our God reigns. Forever all my days. Hallelujah, hallelujah, our God 
agree with us. God, we thank you because you are sovereign. You reign. And Father, we, Father, just help us to trust you today. Help us to look to you. Uh, God, as we think maybe through the things we've said this week, uh, maybe to our spouses, maybe to our children, um, Lord, things that we said at work, or maybe just the inconsistencies we have, maybe thinking about what we talked about last week, how maybe we're one way during the week and a different way on Sunday. God, help us to integrate those things. Lord, I pray that these sermons that we're hearing, these words, uh, God, from the Bible, that we would allow them to change our hearts and our lives and to conform us and to transform us into people who look, think, act, uh, and do what you do, Jesus. And so I pray, uh, Father, now as we hear your word, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive, and we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Finish this statement with me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. How many of us used that when we were younger, or maybe recently, as a comeback to something that was just said to us? I can picture a little guy or a little girl on the playground fighting back those tears when someone had just said, you have cooties, you smell, something to that effect. And you know, it's probably one of those lies that we've told ourselves over the years. Yes, sticks and stones can cause that physical pain. And those physical pains have a lasting impact, especially as we get old and we try to get out of bed. We'll have those scars at last, that crooked nose that came from a punch. But oftentimes it's those words that have been spoken to us or that we have spoken to others or even the words that we have told ourselves that stay with us. I think by this point in our lives, we all realize that our words are powerful. Our words are potent. Things that have been said to us, things that we have said to others, or things that we've said to ourselves, or things that we have typed can cause great pain. In our minds, we hold on to those criticisms, the put-downs, or the anger-filled words that were unleashed upon us. We easily forget the compliments that come our way, the words of encouragement that friends try to give us, or the boss's praise on a job well done. One of the trainings that I went through in my career was about how to give constructive criticism. <laughs> Isn't that a nice term that we've created that says you tell people what they're doing wrong? And the training was about how to use the sandwich effect. So you start with a compliment, you give them the critique, and then you come up, finish with another compliment. Two to one. And while I was listening to this training, I began to think about this and thought, why do I give two compliments to every criticism? Well, what do you think that person remembers as we have that conversation, that criticism? 
Think about it from this perspective. What was the last compliment you received? What was the last nice thing that was said to you? What was the last criticism? What was the last harsh words that were spoken to you? Which was easier to come up with? My point this morning is that the things that come out of our mouth carry great weight. They are powerful. And today, in our age, it's not only the words we say, but the words that we type with our fingertips. The things that we put out there. Some of the most dangerous words have come in the form of a post, a tweet, or an email that was sent. Nowadays, we can do great damage without even speaking directly to a person. It used to be that if you and I disagreed, it led to a healthy debate. You'd listen to me, I'd listen to you, and maybe we would agree that we don't agree. This agreement now results in harassment, humiliation, and removal from public life. I think it's probably safe to say that over the past two years, they have been the most challenging two years in history. Between the pandemic, the racial tensions, the political divide, the struggling economy, people had a lot to argue about, and argue they did. In the midst of all the tensions, arguments erupted, not just with our words, but with our fingertips. The posts flew, the tweets were tweeted, emails were sent without a reread. It seems like no one has been immune from the attacks, whether on the giving side or on the receiving side. There were even attacks of those who were trying to do the most good over the last several years. Deception has been at an all-time high. I heard a statistic that just resonated with me, that in 2020, those who were 65 or older were scammed out of $1 billion. More and more people, not just those 65 or older, believe that everything, what they read, is right, is true. We've lost that idea or that ability to really critically think about what it is. How many of us have heard this? Because it's on the internet, it must be true. Our words carry tremendous power to either build up or tear down. What we say, what we type, or what we post can lead to edification that building up of someone, or it can lead to the destruction, the tearing down of another. So this morning, it's no wonder that we're going to read from James about what we can do. And to me, not only did this give me a lesson to consider, to ponder, and to think over a lot, but it also showed me that the Word of God, it's not dead. It's not just black and white on pages. It speaks to us in so many different situations. If you've ever said in your, in your time with God and said, God, speak to me, <laughs> he's doing it right there. James wrote something 
centuries ago that's probably so applicable, so, so needed in our world today that we need to take some time to study about it. And when Pastor Jerry asked me to, to share this word with you, I thought, of all topics, of all topics, but it's so needed. And I'm sure there will probably be some things that will resonate with you, some things that will hit home. And if I say something that you don't necessarily agree with, feel free to email me at jclaunch at peckwaychurch.com. But let's take a look at what James says about our words, about our tongue. And you know what? It's interesting. While James provides the longest section on the tongue in the Bible, it's not the only mention of our tongue or our mouth, what comes out of our, what do we use our tongue or what do we use our mouth for. A quick search that I did showed that there are 131 scripture references in the Bible to the tongue, and 357 of them about the mouth. Think God has something to say to us about the things that we say? So let's look at what James has to say. You know, and, and, and in his direct fashion, in his ability to create an image and illustrate it through analogies, James addresses how crucial our speech is to putting our faith into action. To James, the control of one's tongue is a manner in which one can demonstrate his or her faith or spiritual maturity. So I want to talk about four things that James gives us that we should consider as we think about what it is that we say. The first thing that we are directed to reflect on is who do we honor and represent with our words? Who do we honor and represent with what comes out of our mouth? You know, growing up, my good friend was the pastor's son. He was the preacher's kid. So I spent a lot of time in the church parsonage. I did a lot of things with my friend. I spent a lot of time with the pastor of the church. And one of the pastor's favorite thing to do was to load up a bunch of us teenagers and sometimes our dads and take us in the church van to a basketball game, whether it was a high school game, a college game, or even a professional game down in Philadelphia. He would load us up, drive to the game, and then drive home. And it was a nice way to travel, right there in a church van, nice and comfortable, plenty of space for us teenage guys to spread out, not having to worry about who was taking us or how we had to get there. The pastor could drive. When I say he was an aggressive driver, that's an understatement. We laugh about it now, but it probably wasn't the best advertisement for the church when the pastor was driving the church van, weaving in and out of traffic with the church name, the address, and the phone number on the side of it. It was either that or it was a really good statement about the faith that we had in God because it was most likely we were going to get to heaven pretty quickly. But let me ask you this. We have to ask ourselves, do the words that come out of my mouth honor and reflect Jesus. And this is why James starts this passage with this challenge. And he writes, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect 
and could also control ourselves in every other way. You know, James first set his direction with the context of teaching, those who teach, those who preach, a calling, a vocation that powerfully uses speech. And we can't take that lightly. And this, this is a key place where the tongue, the speech, can either be a blessing to its hearers or to those who hear it, it can have a disastrous impact on them. God is depending on His Word to be communicated in a manner that is true to what He has said, and He wants us to represent Him properly and accurately. In a contextual perspective of this, James was speaking to the teachers and the preachers of the time because those were the ones that had access to the Word. Those were the ones that could read the scribes. They could read the the scrolls. But you know what? If we take this to today, where all of us have access to God's Word, we have to apply it to each of us. He was challenging each of us to be cautious with, with, with what comes out of our mouth, especially when we attach God's name to it. How many of us have spoken on behalf of somebody? You know, maybe we were asked to say something or to represent somebody or to read something for somebody else. That's what God has asked us to do. And if I took liberties with what that person had asked me to read or to write or to say to them, I wasn't saying what they were wanting to say. God is asking us to make sure that we represent Him accurately. It's not on your outline, but maybe write this passage down and go to it later. Colossians 3.17, Paul writes, he says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We all need to make sure that what we are saying is what God is saying in His Word. We want to be bringing God's true Word and not diluting it by the world's view. This is how we honor and represent God. You know, last week, Pastor Jerry led us through James's challenge of living our faith through our works, our actions, what we do because we are a follower of God. Here, James is giving us a tangible example of how our faith in God should be shown through the words we say. You see, our words are much more than words. Our words are an indication of our heart, our feelings, what we feel inside of us. And this is why in verse 2 we read, Indeed, we, will, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. James recognizes that our words are a powerful reflection of our heart. The way we feel about God and others. The word Perfect means mature, growing in our faith, allowing God to change our feelings, which leads to our actions. So we need to ask ourselves, as I am growing in my faith, as God is changing me, are the words that are coming from my heart reflective of God? And obviously this will take some level of control. And that's what we need to think about as a second consideration. What controls us? What controls us? 
In the message paraphrase, this section of Scripture that James has written reads like this. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but can it, it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. For James, the tongue works on the analogy of, a small, of small things, like a bridle in a horse's mouth or a rudder directing a great ship. I don't necessarily understand those two things. I'm not an animal person. Really, the only animal that I liked is cooked about medium and served on my plate. I'm not a person that goes out in the boats. I'd rather sit by the, by the, on the beach by the water. But I can tell you that the bit in a horse's mouth or the rudder of a boat are very small but very powerful. We used to live, when we moved back to Lancaster County, we used to live in the booming metropolis of Georgetown, east of Quarryville, surrounded by Amish farms. And I was always amazed at this one farm where there would be this young boy out plowing, tilling, whatever the correct agricultural word would be, with this team of horses or mules, and he weighed no more than 100 pounds. And those horses combined probably weighed thousands of pounds. But he was able to control them. It was always fascinating as he would come to the end of a, of a row and turn and then go down and turn and go down, and I could stand there and watch him. James is talking about the same thing. Our tongue, this little red muscle in our body, controls what we say and also what we do. There are many things that we need to make sure that we are controlling, but our tongue is one of those. And James makes the point that it's not something that we can easily do. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to control our tongues. Psalms 141, verse 3. Maybe jot that down, go back and look at it. The psalmist says to us, set a guard over my mouth, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. He goes on in Psalm 19, verse 14, where he prays, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We need to make sure that we are controlling our tongue. Left unchecked, our words will either bring destruction but when they are controlled, we can easily build somebody up. So what do we need to think about next? Third thing, what impact do my words have? What impact do my words have? James writes, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Let me ask you this question. If you receive $10 for every good, kind word you spoke, and lost $5 for every bad, harsh, unkind word you spoke, how rich would you be? 
How rich would you be? To further drive home the point that about the power of our word, James uses the illustration of a spark. We all know the power of one spark. It starts a fire, and that fire can grow and grow and grow and grow out of control. And notice that James says that a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. But his point doesn't stop there. He says that the tongue, if left unchecked, brings evil to our body and sets the course for our life. How many, have wa- how many of us have watched a person, hopefully it wasn't others watching us, go through life and leave behind them a wake of hurt people because of their words, because of the things that they said? And they'll usually say, well, this person, this person, this person, I can't understand why all these situations took place. What's the common denominator? <laughs> them. How many relationships have been damaged because of words? How many hurt spouses are there because of a necessary comment? How many children struggle through life because of the anger that was unleashed upon them by their parents? Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Some of, some of us know that. You've been hurt by some very damaging words that were said to you, maybe just recently or long time ago. Our words should not be a weapon that brings hurt. James points out the fact that when we use our tongue, our speech to curse others, we are cursing people who have been made in the likeness of God. And this is why the important reality that we must also remember as we think about this is, do our words about people reflect how and what we say to God? In other words, what I just said to a person, would I say that to God? What I just said about a person, would I say that about God? You remember being told when I was younger, make sure your actions don't lead to a newspaper article that you would not want your grandmother to read. I think it's the same thing with the words that come out of our mouth. Would we want God to hear those words that we are saying? Or would we want God to receive those words that we are saying? James writes, This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues we bless God our Father. With the same tongues we curse the very men and women He has made in our image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. And then he uses some examples of how this cannot happen. James is telling us that we cannot have blessing and curses come from the same mouth, out of the same heart. He is encouraging us to have a filter on our mouth. So I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves, just because I want to say it, just because I feel like I need to say it, do I need to say it? Is it the right thing to say? 
David Aikman, a professor and author, he made a statement. He said, certain Christians have turned themselves into self-appointed tack dogs of Christendom. They seem determined to savage not only opponents of Christianity, but also fellow believers of whose doctrinal positions they disapprove. A troll through the internet reveals websites so drenched in sarcasm and animosity that an agnostic or a follower of another faith tradition interested in what it means to be a Christian might be permanently disillusioned. And the sad thing is that was written pre-pandemic. Imagine what it would say today. We cannot have harsh words of criticism and praise of our God coming from the same mouth. I encourage you to dig into the way Jesus handled those who were wrong. If ever an example of how we can use our mouth, it is from Jesus. Think about how he interacted with the woman at the well, that Samaritan woman who was involved in many, with many men. The woman who was caught in adultery that the Pharisees were ready to stone. The murderer who was on the cross next to him when he was dying. The disciple who had left him when he was at his most vulnerable moment right before he died. Jesus, even the Pharisees and the Sadducees, now he did unleash on them one time and said, you brood of vipers. He treated them with words that were leading to them having a life change. How we talk to people and about how and, and about people should reflect how we talk to and about our God. So let's think about some practical things. Scott gave us some earlier, but there's five filters that I want us to consider about how we should use our words to demonstrate our faith in God. First filter, is it true? Is it true? These days we have fake news, fake supply, fake products, even fake people. The words that come from our mouth need to be true. The truth factually as well as what we say is true to the Word of God. Ephesians 4.15, Paul writes and tells us to speak the truth in love. So number one, is what we say true? Number two, is it helpful? Is it helpful? Will our words hinder or enable us to have the opportunity to share God's love with someone? If I say this, what damage or good will it do for me to be able to share God's love with that person? In Colossians, Paul writes to us and he encourages us to be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Filter number three. Is it being said to the right person? Is what I am saying being said to the person who needs to hear it? Or am I saying it to somebody who shouldn't hear what I am saying? Who do we talk to? 
What do we talk about? Are we talking with someone about someone and neither of you are solving the problem? Let me say that again. Are you talking to someone about someone and neither of you are solving the problem? That's the definition of gossip, right? And sometimes we can have holy gossip. Oh, have you heard about so-and-so? We should be praying for that person. Yes, we need to pray, but are we saying it in a gossiping way? In Romans, Paul lists gossip as one of the many sins the wicked commit. He later warns, warns the widows about gossiping in his letter to Timothy. In Proverbs, we are warned, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. I was reminded one time I have two eyes, two ears, one mouth. Use them in that ratio. Number four, is it loving? When Jesus was challenged to give the greatest commandment, he said that we are to love God and love others. And I can't think of any other way that that command is portrayed than through our mouth, through what we say. Again, even when Jesus was correcting someone, he did it in love. What's the saying? (laughs) You get more bees with honey than vinegar. What we say needs to be loving. And then the last filter, if not, if it's not loving, if it's not true, don't say it. Don't say it. You know, there's a, there's a passage of Scripture in, that, that Peter wrote in 1 Peter, it's, verse four, it's chapter 4, verse 18, where it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. I used to see that in only one way that the love of God covered my sins, which it does. Don't get me wrong. It does. You know, all the things that I do, Jesus' death on the cross covers my sins. But I also have started to think about this. If I love somebody else, my love for them covers their sins. In other words, if I see, if I know that somebody did something wrong, It's not my job to tell everybody about it. It's not my job to spread their problem. It's not my job to spread that wrong. Our love should cover others. By loving them, we cover up their problems, their mistakes. So as we bring this all to a close, think about it from this perspective. Our words are powerful. They can hurt or they can build up others. They are an outward expression of our faith in God and the work He is doing in our lives. Since our words are powerful, we need, to, we need rules to govern them. If it's not true, if it's hurtful, if it's negative, then don't say it. If our words are positive, we should say it so we can set a blessing free. I'll go back to that question. If you got $10 for every good thing you said, but $5 was taken away for every hurtful thing, how much money would you have? How much money would you have? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your love 
is great. We thank you that your love is with each of us. And Lord, as we speak your love, as we share your love, may we do it through our words and our actions. We thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for that message today and um, just encouraging us as we use our words, are we doing it wisely? And, uh, you know, we've been talking about um, giving. We usually do that during this time. So let's turn our attention there. And we've, you know, if we want to think about what we say, are we saying one thing but yet doing another? You know, I've asked us to pray um, risky prayers. And of course, every time we obey God and do what he says uh, in his word and respond to him in prayer, we're going to be safe because we're following his will, his will. But it feels risky, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, if you've prayed that, that prayer about generosity over these uh, few weeks and you've responded to him, I want to thank you for believing in Jesus uh, and literally putting your money where your mouth is. And so you're not just talking about living by faith, but you are actually doing it. So today I want to ask us a question. Why do you think we talk so openly about generosity? Do you think it's because God needs the money? Of course not. He doesn't need the money, right? And it's, or is it because we're trying to make you uncomfortable? No, it's not. I'll tell you why. It's because we love talking about what God says in his word. And so when it comes to generosity, God has a lot to say in scripture. And so, you know, that means that we should speak about it and that we should seek his help uh, and, and as we want him to respond. And so, you know, I hope and our hope is that uh, as we do that, as we live in increasing obedience to God, uh, as he says in his word about salvation and wisdom and decision making and godly living, and yes, also about giving. So, you know, there's blessing and obedience for you, but there's also blessing in it for others as well. And so in the final book of the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And so when we obey God uh, at what he says about giving, then we're blessed. And you can ask anyone who's tithed uh, consistently and prioritizing um, God by giving their first and their best of their income, and they'll tell you. And so when we give like that, God opens up uh, blessings that are not available in any other way. And so, and as God's people respond to him individually, then the whole church is blessed. And then uh, the community that we're ministering to, in turn, is blessed. And that's God's plan for our good and his glory. So I challenge us to commit to continue to asking God for guidance in our giving and then to respond to him as he speaks. The ways that we can give today here in person, there's envelopes at the back of the room if you need that. Um, you can also text to give. There's also uh, online. I think you can go to the website. You can find there a give link as well. And the chat window, for those of you viewing online today or throughout the week, there uh, is a, well, not throughout the week, for today only, you can click on that give link in the chat window. But again, you could go to the website and find information on that. But I challenge us again to not just talk about giving, but let's step out in faith if we haven't done that yet and trust God 
as we do. Let's pray together about that, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you so much for our time together today. Lord, I pray that as we hear your word, God, as we reflect on the things that we say, um, Lord, that we would remember the importance of our words. And God, how things, it changes lives, as we've looked at with many scriptures today, but there's death and life in the power of our words. And so I pray that as we leave this place today, that we'd be challenged to remember how we speak to others, God. Or if the things that have been spoken to us and our hearts are wounded, I pray that we would turn those things to you, Father, that we would allow you to heal us and to help us to become the people that you want us to be, Jesus. Lord, I pray over the offering and for those who are giving today, Father. Uh, Lord, just as you've challenged us in our generosity, I pray that you would continue to bring us deeper in our trust in you as we do that. And I pray over our day as we leave this place and I look forward to when we meet again. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you again next week.